1: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. I can assure you that for myself, Ashley, and Jeff, this has been the longest recording session of all time because we've been on a three-hour tactical pause for technological issues. It has been every bit as spectacular as you would imagine. I I am, uh, Mr. Daly had said, it's too bad we weren't recording, for a uh, special behind-the-scenes edition of... The podcast that could be available on DVD. It was it was special, and Mr. Stouffer here, who will be joining us in a moment, was commenting that we're already forty minutes past uh, zero beer thirty. So things have not gone our way, but hopefully, hopefully, we are good to go now. I'm Mark Sevi, your host. Uh, I am the Special Projects Counsel for the American Legion. I'm joined as always by Jeff Daly and his absolutely phenomenal. Setup that he's got going on here with his U.S. Marine Corps football. He's got a new camera. It looks great. Uh, you, you just, you look, you I mean, look spectacular. You,
2: you know what they missed in the behind the scenes is my stand-in. I even, I have a crew. I had a stand-in. <laughs> It was a broom so that we could focus on this. and uh, and the weird thing is the camera's not new. It's like a year and a half old. I just am slow to integrate this my the, technology. The whole,
1: the whole setup for the show has been a debacle, but Ashley <laughs> has maintained her smile throughout and we can see her doggies that are they've given up waiting for the show to start, so they are uh, peacefully sleeping in the background. But without further ado, we are going to be joined in a few moments by my friend Jeff Stopher He uh, was my boss here for twelve years at the American Legion, and he uh, he was kind of my only friend when I came to Indiana. And one of the first, he he was the only one who showed me any kindness. He and super producer Holly took me out to golf my first weekend here, and uh, we had had a couple of adult beverages on the front nine. And by the back nine, I, I specifically remember one hole, and I think it was the 13th, Holly was on the 16th shot of her, that one hole, 16th shot, and she had not yet reached the green, so that was when that ended, uh, but so we will be joined by Mr. Stouffer, and I'm very eager to have him on here, we're going to talk about some of the things the Legion has done over the past century, and what we're going to do in this century to come. But first, let's take a quick
0: commercial break, and we'll be right back with you. Deedleet, deedleet. The restaurant industry is a great place to pursue your passion while building a career at the same time. If you like to cook, enjoy being part of a team, and show off your skills, sign up today for Restaurants Recruit. Restaurants Recruit will directly connect you to restaurant companies looking to hire great military talent and willing to invest in your career. Sign up if you're a veteran, a military spouse, or are getting ready to transition out of the service and are ready for your next big move. It's free and easy. Just go to chooserestaurants.org slash restaurantsrecruit to get started on a future in restaurants. All right, we are joined by Jeff Stofer
1: He is the editor of the American Legion Magazine. And even though, as I said, he is my friend, we're going to hit him with some uh, hard-hitting questions. I'm not going to go first, Jeff, but I will tell you that mine is going to deal with my evaluation from five years ago when you did not give me an exceeds expectation. And I also want a specific answer as to why when you came to my house for the Super Bowl, the Patriots versus the Seahawks, and the Patriots were clearly going to go down in defeat because Pete Carroll wouldn't be stupid enough to throw it with three seconds to go in the game or whatever. Why you continued to stay in my house when it was obvious I was about to break down in tears and vomit on the ground. But we'll get to that one in a minute. We're going to start off today with Miss Ashley Moldonado, who is going to ask the first question of Jeff. So, Ashley, all yours.
3: Well, thank you for that marvelous introduction. So, Jeff, thanks so much for being here. We know you're such a, a busy guy. Once in a while, in the background, we'll we'll, we'll see him come in and bring Miss Holly some food. So, Jeff is fabulous. So, I'll kick off the first question. So, Jeff is a big history buff for all the listeners out there. And my first brain buster for Jeff is, you know, as we discussed, you know, American Legion history. And, you know, we have a headquarters in D.C. And I wanted to kind of hear your... um, your take on some of the highlights from a historical uh, perspective here in Washington D.C. In, rela- in relation to the American Legion.
4: General highlights or specific ones? I can go through a few of them. I'll tell you. I the, the, three. One,
3: you got three. Three.
4: Okay. All right. I'll throw one at you. Um, in the one of the one of the things, and this came back to the very first year we're here talking about the American Legion birthday. I think that that's our that's kind of our. We're, our window, we're kind of like celebrating. Uh, it would be what our one hundred and second year mm-hmm. of of existence, and and it was in nineteen nineteen that very first year, very famously, when the first the first American Legion uh, kind of VA and R team, if you will, gathered in Washington, and they put together. They went to Congress, and they were really upset because so many all these combat veterans were in, at Walter Reed in, from from World War One, and they were just getting their regular pay even though that they were disabled, like with amputations and blindness and with uh, severe life-changing disabilities, they had no combat disability program. They had very little going on in terms of real benefits. And the national commander and our VA and our team did what they started to do very well at that time. And we did this a lot in the future. But in December of 1919, they went to the Hill, and they brought with them a whole bunch, like 30 or 40 Severely disabled World War I veterans who were at Walter Reed with them and just basically walked them, brought them along to dinner the, the 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 House and Senate wanted to know who was this brand new American legion that had just come on the scene and they said let 's go to dinner They said great we 're going to bring some of our friends and they did and by the time by the uh, by, de- by the end of December, they were able to get I think a fifty dollar per month increase in their disability pay i mean it was almost nothing to begin with but they got disability pay they got disability compensation and that was really the roots of disability compensation for combat veterans that what that happened in dc in december of 1919 and it was the beginning it kind of laid the, laid the groundwork for a number of major major things the american legion did over the next century that was my number one what's number two well, I think you just have to go. My, I think for pure impact, that was the earliest. But for pure impact, you gotta go yeah. to the night of June tenth, nineteen forty-four, when the American Legion, along with the VFW, by that time the American Legion and the VFW had started had you know uh, reconciled their differences on the GI Bill and worked together to rush congressman john gibson out of the hills of georgia in the middle of the night through a storm with a with an, a police escort and an army escort if you can believe it from out of the hills of georgia down to jackson uh jacksonville florida to catch a plane that eddie rickenbacker had supposedly set up to, to for him flew him into washington he arrived at six thirty in the morning to cast the swing vote where the gi bill was hung up in a conference committee on a on a three to three tie, and Gibson went in and he said, and it was on racist base base basis. They they did not want African American World War II soldiers to get the exact same kind of benefits as white uh, uh, veterans of World War II. The American Legion was inviolate about this position. Very important um, role that they played. Brought them back to or from uh, brought them back to. Uh, let me let me start this over. The. Honestly, what happened was 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 that Gibson got flown in. He arrives at six thirty in the morning. He said he announces immediately upon landing that he is going to have a press conference to reveal who voted against this and why, if they didn't vote for it and got in got a unanimous vote and hmm. broke it out a conference committee. It was the last day, or the GI Bill would not have would have died in committee. And that was in on June tenth, nineteen forty four. And that was they got a hold of a dispatcher. The night before on June 9th, and her husband had just come ashore at Normandy earlier that week, and uh, she said, "I'll do what I can to get hold of this congressman." Quite a quite a story. Um,
3: wow.
4: You know, um, there are just a number of different things that the American Legion was able to get accomplished, but another another major one in Washington, I think, has to be the American Legion's support for the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Wall, uh, when other groups and organizations were have, were were you know, really negative about it. Didn't like the design. Uh, Lynn's design from uh, was had 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 won the contest in a couple of you know blind jury competitions, and yet there was a big uprising that it wasn't you know the bold enough, uh, you know victorious enough. It looked kind of like a big grave, or it looked like something that people weren't used to. And then uh, the American Legion stood by the decision of the judges, stood by the. Stood by the program, stood by Maya Lin, um, and gave her uh, security and support throughout the, the the big Veterans Memorial dedication ceremony. And there, and it was controversial. And at that time, because they wanted, you know, there were a lot of people in Congress who wanted a different kind of monument to the to the Vietnam veteran. And um, that Veterans Memorial is the most veter- most visited Veterans Memorial in America right now.
3: Wow, I, I, That's I don't awesome. think.
1: I don't think the somber nature of the memorial detracts at all. I think it it's, makes it special. There's not there's nothing as special as visiting the Vietnam Wall.
4: Well, every every name on there is a is a monument to that person and that person's life, and it really draws the families mm-hmm. there. And I mean, some of the most compelling art in honor and remembrance revolves around that wall. You know, you yeah. look at photographs right. and paintings, and you know, I still um, am you know in awe every time I go and see it. Yep. Right all right mr daly you are up
2: all right i am going to first i want to say that that story about grabbing grabbing the guy from the the hills and getting him into washington to get it out of committee in the last day that should be a documentary or a movie it sounds like that exciting and speaking of documentaries my question is about to strengthen a nation um and it's funny, I'm, I'm talking about movies, and I'm from Hollywood Post 43, and your hosts for that are also from Hollywood Post 43, uh, Jerick and Lorna, and that, it's, a, it's, a, it's so well done, and what, what would you say was the significance and the importance of that, and especially when it was done, and, and how it leads us into the next 100 years?
4: Boy, that's, that's really, you, you said it there, I wanted, we wanted to develop a documentary series that didn't just recount chronologically our history, but to talk about what this preamble means, what each of these pillars mean, what everything, and where it began, what were the roots of it, and how when you can go from, you can go to Plattsburgh, New York, on the very on the northern border, nearly to Canada. And you can go to Los Angeles, California and walk into those American Legion posts and you sense the same sort of value system and identity regardless where you're at. And so lo and behold, we, we took, we went with Jarek and Lorna to Plattsburgh, New York. And I know Mark Seavey knows why Plattsburgh, New York, but a lot of people don't. Plattsburgh, New York was the location of a citizen's civilian volunteer military training camp that was set up by former President Theodore Roosevelt and General uh, Leonard Wood um, to train civilians who were volunteers to serve in the military if we should have to go enter World War I. At that time, we were very much isolationist and very much pacifist um, by government decree. And Roosevelt thought, this is going to get us into trouble because we won't have trained officers, we won't have trained soldiers, and we really didn't. But the few who we did was the Genesis, was this training camp group who evolved into what became American Legion Incorporated, which predated the American Legion as an organization. And they were based in New York. And it's funny, there's a lot of things that we, we picked up from American Legion Incorporated, like some of the imagery on our cards, on the original membership cards. And then we had a membership processing system that we immediately were able to, the American Legion was immediately able to get and staff to do it who'd worked for American Legion Incorporated, who made that seamless transition to process membership in May of, of 1919. So in New York, we were able to process all these memberships. You know, I think they got 685,000 members in their first year, which was a lot at that time to handle. And we picked up a lot of the processes from uh, American Legion Incorporated excuse me
0: no.
2: so 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 that was that's a that's a, a sounds again like another a, another movie in, it, in and of itself but if uh and i know that we're gonna put the i know we're gonna put the link into the into the into the show notes but what would you what would you say like because i know not everyone has seen it and because i put it in our, our post newsletter so a lot of people in my post have seen it but what would you why would it be so important for legionnaires to see this and people who just want to understand this organization
4: really uh it, well the thing about it is what we try to assemble we try to create Instead of one great big honkin, you know, two hour documentary movie, we tried to put together a set of digestible episodes so you didn't have to watch it all in one sitting and try to because it's a lot to, to absorb. And so the prelude is, is a setup and it talks about and I think it's I think it's really important that the, the veterans and legionnaires and members of the VSO community understand that prior to the American Legion government and public support for veterans was very weak and it was and it was fractured and it had become politicized a lot of the group the groups that predated the american legion were partisan and fell into partisan traps and they fell into ideological positions the, and so the american legion learned a lot from those previous patriotic and veterans groups of, of previous generations that you know, had been going on since the Society of the Cincinnati's after the Revolution, but that was officer only. The American Legion made a point saying, we're going to have enlisted people in our national club. And that was kind of a breakthrough. And uh, I defined a lot of things. Why do I think it's important? So the prelude sets up that there really wasn't a great support group for veterans in the nation prior to 1919 and the, and the origins of the of the American Legion and then I try to make the case or we try to make the case in the statement in that first episode episode 1 the formation about if, if there was no if there were no other episode to watch just watch episode 1 the formation of the American Legion because it sort of tells the whole story and winds up with a, I think a really good rendition of the preamble um, done on, on video but it tells kind of a it's an introduction summary video and then all of the rest of them are smaller bite-sized 10 minutes and less documentary videos on different features of the organization national security american legion baseball i've got my i brought brought with me the cap to uh from Millbank, South Dakota, which is the birthplace of American Legion baseball, we did a shot, we did a shoot up there. Met with the folks in Millbank. Very proud, very proud community of the fact that they and they put a big sign on the front when you when you drive into Millbank, South Dakota. We are the birthplace of American Legion baseball, and I mean it's a thing. And the Legionnaires there were really, really great with us, and very proud of that place in their history. Uh, you know, where does our uh, where does our um, you know children and youth program come from we have we, we explore the roots of that in one episode we talk about um uh you know how the concept of americanism came about and what it meant and you know there's a lot of different interpretations about what that means it's not like you know uh it, americanism was meant by the world war one people especially it wasn't so there were there were a lot of issues with those world war one Troops who went to fight—they weren't physically fit. Many were illiterate. Many didn't speak English as a first language or at all. There, there were their training was poor. So all of these programs, Americanism, children were poorly treated. Orphans, children were running the streets. It was a kind of a rough time for children. And the American Legion felt it was their responsibility to sort of. Uh, cultivate a new generation of young people who understood the the, the nature of America that didn 't have a flag code yeah, there was no the flag meant dip, meant a lot different back then um, so all of these things were sort of part pieces of the puzzle that the American Legion put together to form a sense of pride in nation, understanding of what you 're fighting for because these guys not only didn 't speak English and may have come from. Uh, Germany, when they were fighting in world War one and didn 't even speak good English and spoke German as a first language. What am I fighting for again they didn 't understand The American Legion published two volumes of civics textbooks that went to thousands of schools in the 1920s just to try to solve this problem. very interesting, so I, I always relate to the fact that the, the, the our, our 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 deficiencies in World War one. Laid the groundwork for the work that the American Legion sought to accomplish in that first decade, especially. And that's what. The, and I think we try to keep tying it back to the, the that to strengthen a nation.
2: Wow. That. Well, thanks, Matt. and it, I will say that it's 100%. Jeff Daly recommended. If anybody cares about my recommendation, I'm not Ebert or Siskel, but <laughs> I really enjoy that. And I'm not just saying that. So Jarek and Lorna will buy me beer when we reopen our post. Not just saying it, but I wouldn't refuse it
1: <laughs> I, I was on that uh, on that trip to Plattsburgh, one of the oh. more enjoyable trips I've taken, and i don't remember i don't know if you remember this, Jeff, but our plane got so delayed we landed in Albany, New York at one o'clock in the morning, and we still had a four hour drive up to Plattsburgh, and the Department of New York completely squared us away and got us hotel rooms in Albany. Otherwise, I don't think we would have made it. We we were it was like snowstorming, and there was like wind on these passes, and everyone was exhausted. So, shout out Department of New York, Ashley. Your dogs are totally stealing the show right now. I don't they're they're uh, they're wandering around back there. It's awesome. So, Jeff, uh, one my actual question. First of all, uh, the room you're recording this in looks somehow familiar to me, and when I come back to that room, I hope not to find. The Vikings uh, hat that I did purchase you in Cabo San Lucas so but you could take that with you when you leave but my question actually it deals with how the American Legion back when we were founded you, you talked about how the membership grew exponentially in that first and clearly we weren't in a time where you were sending out mass emails or purchasing television or anything else so clearly it was word of mouth but on the other side of that when they had annual conventions national conventions they were rowdy uh, it was exactly what you would expect from joe's who just came home from the war and i know it, it, if you could talk a little bit about a, a a delegation from tennessee and the issue they may or may not have had at one point but the, uh, with alvin york uh, but yeah. the thing is like uh, the It's interesting to me how when we found it, it was all word of mouth. It was all community-based. and There wasn't a national thing. But when they got together for the national uh, convention, it was quite a show. But can you talk about that dichotomy and some of the things that happened at those conventions?
4: The early conventions were insane. There's a reason we don't have conventions, I think, in Kansas City anymore <laughs> since 1922. I think when they and, and this is in the heart of in the in the height of prohibition, and the American Legion. I mean, thousands. We had the 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 Allied generals of the of World War One. You know, uh, Ferdinand Foch and Diaz and and uh, um, um, some of the others were there with Pershing. And the American Legion at our national convention. I think it was 1921, and they literally it was a swarm, and there was no controlling them. There was one story about a group from that parade that marched right into I think it was the Kansas City Star office, and, and they marched into the office and got up on desks, and it was it was a crazy story. But the but the um, the you, you talked about Tennessee. That was in Minneapolis, and the the Tennessee delegation. Um, disappeared altogether. Nobody knew exactly where they went. They didn't go to the rooms that they were supposed to be in. They did show up at the parade, but I think that they, they just kind of like faded into the ether. There was also this, uh, 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 there was there was a car that was like thrown into the river, and then somebody thought, well, that's bad. We've got to pull it out. So they ended up pulling it out. It was uh, nuts. But by 1937, 38, I think it was, Harry Calmer is here as national commander. In New York City, that that national convention parade went 23 hours, I believe, and it was broadcast live on NBC radio. And it was there were people throughout the throughout the the the, throughout the city lighting the streets. So it was an amazing. It was early. That that was an early, uh, you know. When the American Legion National Convention Parade was a huge national event, early on we had, uh, you know, Sergeant Stubby, who uh, Mark knows for several years. He was the only canine Legionnaire, official canine American Legion member, had a vest, had his had his pin, membership button, and he was a national figure. Sergeant Stubby was known, and he made he was a touring dog who had served in theater during World War One. And uh, Sergeant Stubby was was a big part of the of the convention parade. We had it was just a such a completely different milieu. You know, back then, the a parade like that was a big entertaining phenomenon for people who didn't have television, the internet, radio, really much radio, not hardly no radio early, and then later some radio, and then they broadcasted on radio, and people still went to it. They thought it was the greatest thing. So, it, and, it, and it was, it was quite the pageant. So. I, I I mean, I still, you know me, you and I have
1: spent a few uh, parades together ourselves. I, I remember one in Milwaukee that I'll never remember or forget that we had a good time from what I understand. And, and that's happened here in Indianapolis, I think it was three years ago, another fairly good time that I'll never remember or forget. I, I mean... I think our convention's great. I love going to the parades. I don't think there's going to be a parade in Phoenix because it'll be, uh, you know, 117 degrees in the shade and, you know, but I, I've always, I've always loved the stories about our uh, national convention. I know. in when I was in law school, there was a, one of the cases we studied was a legionnaire brought a alligator on a dog leash into a hotel to celebrate the American Legion convention. And the alligator went nuts and, broke down a bunch of stairs, hit a bunch of people, and they were injured. And, and the question in the case was, was the American Legion National Headquarters liable for the actions of this alligator or somebody have stepped in? That's the kind of wild stuff that it's like, you know, I, I mean, I've seen at our, our end when we came home from Afghanistan, there were many stories like that, that things that were happening, they were pretty wild. So, all right, it's we're going to take...
3: Yeah, Hold
2: on. Before we go, this happens, I hear with Jeff Stophers around... People get to be today years old, and they learn something. <laughs> now, we played the sergeant. We had a red carpet event for the the, the animated Stubby uh, movie. and hey, I'm today years old when I realized that that was a real dog and a, a real story. Yeah, and um, my I didn't know that that was real. And yeah. I'm on. I, I just had zero idea. Um, so, yep, I'm today years old, and thank you, Mr. <laughs> Stofer, for that.
1: Yeah, that he was famous. Why, uh... He was. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with you
0: in 30 seconds. Did you know that you could cut a five-pointed star in one snip? Betsy Ross did. Learn her secret and many other things you might not know about Old Glory in the American Legion's Bookazine. Indivisible, the story of our flag. Available at legion.org forward slash sales.
1: All right, we're joined again by Jeff Stover. We're talking about the centennial of the American Legion and the American Legion birthday coming up here. We'll have our 102nd. We don't look a day over 101, do we, Jeff? Not at all. And we'll go to round two of our questioning. We'll start with Ms. Gorbolja Maldonado.
3: All right. So, Jeff, you have told us all of these fun, tabulous stories about all the shenanigans and all of the forthright amazing things that the American Legion done is, or has done and continues to do. So, my question is for you, you know, where do you see us in the next 100 years, right? Like, we're already continuing to forge our own path, but where do you see the American Legion moving forward?
4: you know i think for my for my money i think that we are coming out of obviously one of the darkest years in the history of america i mean this has been a really tough year and this i've chronicled and i've really put a made a made a point to really capture this uh, in this uh, covid operations book that's coming out this month the the story of the way the american legion organically and in heart and soul and passion um, went to work in every community, every state and across the nation to provide COVID-19 relief and support is absolutely crazy. I've got, uh there's the book right there. Here is, the book is called COVID Operations and it goes on, it's on press now. We have some preliminary copies. But it, out of this, you know, the things that occurred at the local level, you wouldn't believe the Tons of food, American Legion posts, and American Legion members collected, distributed, raised the money, delivered to healthcare providers, first responders, hungry, self-isolating veterans, children, students, parents who didn't, you know, who, who basically had their kids at home for the first time and didn't really know the schools were providing nutritious meals for them at school, but... Now, all of a sudden, you've got three meals a day, and those kids are home, and I'm home, and I'm trying to work, and, you know, it's a changed paradigm. American Legion just really, nationwide, it, it's it's conf- absolutely mind-boggling how much delivery of food occurred, and ha- and it continues to do so. I think that the, the wave of PPE, the face masks, that the American Legion was able to either get, obtain through their means, through the American Legion's means, if they had to hand sew masks and deliver them, they did so in the thousands. They deli- They one guy we had a story in this thing. Um, one one of the posts uh, had a thought on a Friday afternoon, and he says, "I'm going to put this up on Facebook." Facebook. We know that the healthcare people are short of face masks. I know carpenters, and I know welders, and I know people. They've got those face masks. He they do an all call. The next morning they have hundreds of, of carpenters, welders, plumbers, people who work around fumes came in and, and donated their face masks for the healthcare workers. They all came, the nurses all came in that morning and they said, How did you come up with this? We were short at the at the clinic or the hospital. So we got our connections. They they called on their members who were in these industries who simply said, Take ours, you go take ours. And that's and that is a little act of kindness, I think, of Lowville, New York. When the, when the long-haul truck drivers were unable to stop and eat at restaurants or even go into rest areas to eat something that they had or to stop and eat, Lowville, New York, American Legion Post set up a, a stand on the side of the road and made hamburgers and hot dogs and made lunches for these long-haul truck drivers to pull over alongside the freeway and eat and get, or get something to eat so that they could deliver their goods. That was a big problem in March of 2020 and April. Blood drives. Um, the, the, we had a, we had a record year for blood donations, and it was because generally the American Legion blood American Legion historically, if you want to go back to 1942 when the American Legion's blood donor program began, and it was it was yes to raise to get the blood put together the plasma to support the military, but moreover it was because the blood that we had and was and that would normally collect. Was going into the military, we were short at home, so the American Legion stepped in and built its blood donor program, and became over the years the Red Cross's leading donor of blood of any organization. And we had a, a we had a big spike, obviously in twenty twenty, because we had a nationwide call: Red Cross needs blood. Ohio had like thirty nine um, blood drives. Um, it was an amazing. Amazing experience. Post forty three had a great blood blood drive in in Hollywood. Um, at North Carolina, uh, there's a one town in North Carolina really put together a really a fantastic one. But all of these things, all of these folks, and they had to sanitize one post. Absolute had to replace. They they replaced all of their ceiling tiles and repainted their post. Sanitized everything so the people who went in to to give blood knew that they were coming into a safe environment. The Red Cross was blown away by this wow. yeah that was a but but, but what, I, what i'm what i'm saying is that no matter the generation i think urgent community support has kind of been in the dna from the american legion since day one and that'll always be there how we how we uh execute and operate programs remains to be seen you know if some programs are certain to evolve but as long as young people should try to learn and speak eloquently about the U.S. Constitution, I think that there's going to be an oratorical contest. As long as young people should want aspire to understand the way democracy works, there's going to be boys' state and girls' state and boys' nation and girls' nation. I think that as long as young people should aspire to become law enforcement officers, there's going to be a junior law cadet uh, law enforcement program. That the American Legion can and does lead, and those so there's a place for us in those programs, and we know we know very well that America has, has has always promises to produce fewer disabled veterans and veterans going forward, but we always seem to produce quite a few, and there there's always new needs, and VA needs. Advocates who are stakeholders. So as long as there are stakeholder advocates, as long as there's a VA, there's going to be a need for stakeholder advocates who literally are the voice of the customer, the consumer, the beneficiary of these VA healthcare uh, facilities. That's going to be that's going to be necessary. And um, you know, I think that when we talk about our national security environment, the American Legion has. Be- doesn't, you know, the, our national security division concentrates now on quality of life, service and support for our troops, fighting for a strong national defense. All that is well and good, but remember what I said earlier that the Americanism programs, our youth programs, our VA programs, our VA and our programs are all built on creating a stronger nation, and there was nat- there is national security in that. If you're weak, you cannot fight, you cannot defend yourself. If your nation doesn't understand what they're fighting for, kids are growing up in, in poor health, poor physical condition. If they don't understand the value of, of, of what our freedom, justice, and democracy mean, you know, you're know you going to have a problem in those nations. And, and it's, it's already kind of fractured to, to a certain degree, I think. And we, we have an article coming up. I'm the editor of the American Legion magazine as well. But we have an article coming up in the April magazine on the lost study of civics in public schools and i think that'll be that'll be an interesting i mean it'd be interesting to see what the feedback is mark and i were studied physics or civics when we were kids weren't didn't you mark yeah oh yeah absolutely Ashley, very, did they have civics? very
3: briefly i i recall taking a general government class maybe my sophomore year of high school um but what i think at that point in time i would have appreciated more of like a finance civic like like collaborative course that kind of gave me a crash course to adulting like one you're not going to figure it all out right you may not even figure it all out when you get in the military two what's alone like three how do you vote how do you be an active engaged citizen um, and I think those were all those important things and those tangibles as we move forward in our lives so I'm really excited to see where that goes because yeah I'm I'm interested
4: well, we got a lot, a lot cooking right now, and this is, I think, I think this is a really exciting part of what we're working on in the American Legion is, is advanced preparation for people who are in service now, yet to discharge in that six month window or eight month window prior to discharge or separation, that we're helping that helping facilitate, uh, you know, programs for credentialing and licensing while still in the service, so that you come out ready made. I did a big interview with. Um, with uh, with the top army, the uh, command sergeant uh, major, in in uh, uh, last year, two years ago, and talked about the concept that um, you know, how do how how does industry industry wants military veterans to work? Industry has a lack of uh, skilled practice, skilled workers, skilled trades. They 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 want to trade. They want they want these people. Um, to to come to work. And I think that the more we work to help veterans make that transition going forward, the better it's going to be. All
1: right, let's take our uh, second commercial break here, and we
0: will be back in just a moment. 100 Miles for Hope is back, and we're taking it to the next level. This year, you can choose over 40 different activities and track your progress on a handy mobile app. We have sweet swag to commemorate your journey, including tech shirts, Baseball caps, hoodies, pins, patches, and challenge coins. All proceeds from these purchases support veterans and military families through the Veterans and Children Foundation. Head to legion.org slash 100 miles to get started. All right, so our three-hour
1: delay for technical difficulties has now resulted in an early (laughs) break, but it's all good to go. We're piecing it together as we uh, go through life. This this would happen right as our numbers seem to be exploding on the podcast, so this is this is perfect for us. But uh, Jeff Daly, you are back with us now, and uh, you have Jeff Stoffer, editor of the American Legion Magazine and uh, history specialist, I guess, if you will. Uh, hit him up. Well,
2: that's him why hard. I dressed. That's why I dressed up, which nice. for me means throwing a, a a cheap jacket over a t-shirt. Well, I uh, actually
1: have the elbow pads too, so I look a little scholastic oh, yeah. myself. Noise. Wow.
2: So you have a reputation as being all about history and things that happened and I was gonna ask about the new things, but as happens on this show, my questions get used before I can get to them. I was gonna ask about the book on the shelf, but it I'll just point out that you you keep you you're keeping up with recording history now, not just talking about history that has already happened and that's amazing. And I did appreciate the shout out for my post, but I will tell you that it was Hollywood or not Hollywood Culver city post 46, who is killing it with the blood drives. And I just, I, I have to give them a shout out cause they are, they have been doing thousands of wow. pints of blood and they're doing, I thought we were being awesome when we went up to doing it quarterly. They're doing multiples per week. They're, they're, they're really handling it. So my question to you this is going to be a hard one for you, because I also know that you can be very extemporaneous is the, is the best way of putting it. Um, one of the things when we, we're, telling, we're trying to tell the story of the Legion to new Legionnaires, or I'm sorry, prospective Legionnaires, to be more precise, the biggest, most dreadful, awful question that ever comes up is, what do you guys do? Now, if somebody came up to you and said in exactly that voice, what do you guys do? What would, what would Jeff Stopher say to them?
4: I would say that we strengthen the nation and our national identity through responsible citizenship after service in the military and support our troops, who are also eligible to be members. And, and, and I know that sounds pretty general, but if you think about it, it's all about, I always come back to this term, responsible citizenship after service it's the 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 it's and it may be that your program might be in like the department of wyoming that the important thing there was for the department of wyoming to create or lead and manage and support the high school rodeo program the high school youth rodeo program because it's a good program teaches discipline gets kids outside it is and they needed the support um it might be something completely different it might be um you know, in American Legion basketball. I'm talking to a guy right now in Philadelphia, or I'm going to be talking to a guy in Philadelphia next week about kind of the resurrection of American Legion basketball because that's the program that they think that can bring kids together. And when you get kids together working as a team in a positive way, in wherever it might be, that's better than kids frayed and strayed and not, you know, functioning in a team team way. Well, Mark will remember this, but remember a few years ago when we had the kid Mitchell Van Patten. He was the guy, the little guy from Meridian, Idaho, and he had won one of the categories in the junior shooting sports program. Yeah. And the kid couldn't have stood five foot one, and he couldn't have weighed over a hundred pounds. But junior shooting sports, he got up there and he gave an absolutely yeah. wonderful speech about. He can't play on the foot. He doesn't. He's going to be on the football team. He's going to be on the basketball team. But junior shooting sports gave him his place. Gave him his identity. Gave him a sense of pride. That's responsible citizenship. When a when a veteran comes into the community and says, "That kid also needs some place to go." I remember I did a story a long time ago about the Legion in Eugene, Oregon. Ran the local after-school chess club. That that chess club went on and won, you know, big national awards. It was a, it was a very competitive program for a while. So the program can be kind of what you want it to be, as long as it builds community, abides by patriotic values. I've exceeded my elevator pitch that you should give to a young person. <laughs> well, I was
2: gonna say to you, I was gonna say that is that seems to be. The challenge, it because is. the American Legion does so many things. You know, the first thing I say to somebody when they go, what do you all do? I go, well, first of all, how much time do you have?
4: Right. Because we do
2: so choice. many things. Yeah. And, the, and to extrapolate from we do so many things, we probably do something that you're passionate about. So why don't you start and tell me what you're passionate about, and I'll see where we can link. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a big challenge, and I'm hmm. going to be looking to you for leadership Well, I communication.
4: You know, one one key aspect of this, and I hear this a lot, that all of our new programs are, in a sense, memorials to those who fought and fell before us. That's why, you know, the number one value when you look at the uh, we've done socio psychological you know studies on the American Legion member. You know, what does that? What is the most important thing to that to that member? And remember, uh, I want to be remembered for my service and more than that I want, to re- I want everyone to remember those who served before me and you know how it is, they, don't, they honestly don't care if it was uh, the Revolutionary War or Afghanistan, they all deserve honor, remembrance and we have to respect and all of the programs that the, the American Legion drives forward are in remembrance of them because they didn't get to live in that world that's why our posts are named for those who fell fighting
2: wow thank you for that and uh, i will try to incorporate that into my elevator speech and i don't mean i mean while riding the elevator not <laughs> while constructing it because <laughs> it's a different time frame
4: you literally could do an elevator speech for each pillar of the american legion that's the thing and i've <laughs> tried to put like little and bull- i've done it before and i've got little bullet points on like americanism honor and remembrance um, national security vet- veterans and youth but. It's, it's a challenge. It's a sprawling organization which touches a lot of pieces of America.
3: If I could, I, I would say really quickly that any time, especially being a younger, a younger veteran post-9-11 who recently just got out, folks ask me all the time, and the American Legion really provided a sense of second service and helped me really figure out my passion in a place that I was supported and I think that's very commonplace in the military and it's a nice thing to have when you're exiting you know in that transition and as you continue with whatever that second service is and the thing that you love and a lot of that comes back to the value of self service and you know civic responsibility and community so I just want to put that in there because I think it's important and that's something that's I think very frequently asked of you know and for all the listeners out there who have ever been asked that question, think about really like it has to come from the heart. Like, you know why you're there and communicating that is another thing, right?
4: I think that's the thing that I have missed most during COVID is I am not able to go out to the posts that I used to go to. And I think that has always been the source of my inspiration is going to local posts from Plattsburgh to L.A., from from towns in Montana, where I'm a member of the squadron there the sal squadron to wherever all across the country louisiana you know you go in there and there no matter where you go there's always this sense of what you said passion about doing something meaningful that falls within our identity as an organization and no one else does what we do because no one else could get their arms around this sprawling identity you know but it's it is it's 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 a unique jeff brings up a great question and that question has been asked many times you know, maybe if we were narrower in focus, we would be less appealing to a broader landscape of people. There was a guy, a, a guy in Nevada, a legionnaire in Nevada, who made it his charge to start a program, and it was—I was thinking of him—an individual obligation to community, state, and nation. But he, his individual obligation was he had learned about children of low-income families who couldn't afford to get hearing aids who had bad hearing and needed hearing aids and so he created a department wide program and he was the I think he was the, the department program leader and soldier all together he did it but he provided hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of funding to get children of low income families hearing aids so that they could hear in school and I thought that was, that was, that's how he took his mission in the American Legion To Mm -hmm. make his country stronger through community service, that kind of thing makes people makes a country stronger. People don't realize how many swimming pools and tracks and amphitheaters the American Legion built between 1925 and 1940. I had a, I don't know if you've been following on the website. I've got our World War II story, and I profiled one in Florida that doesn't. It's no longer. It's still called Legion Pool. uh, um, I'm sorry, it's in Georgia, Athens, Georgia, but. It was uh, it's still called Legion Pool, but that's the only really real Legion association with it. But at the time, it was the biggest, most deluxe pool in the South, and it was built by the American Legion Post, and it was a big deal. And we trained World War II soldiers to come in there and swim, and they got their tra- they they and, and they also used, used it for recreational purposes. But that was the most deluxe pool in the South. It was one of the largest in the South, most newest. They almost tore it out. And then there was this big uprising saying you can't throw you can't tear out Legion Pool that was built in like 1939 or 40. Said you have you gotta, we got to replace it and it was like a huge cost to replace it. But they kept it, and now and and the, and the students and the faculty at, at uh, Georgia love it and and it's and it's and it's very important to them. And there's little pieces of that American Legion lore I call it, and identity that all across the country that is so important and can be lost to history if we don't remember that this stuff came about because of the American Legion or, you know, in honor of veterans in service. Too often what the American Legion does is done when no one is watching and we don't are not very good or maybe somewhat reticent for good reasons at casting a spotlight on the things that our people and our members do. Some of it's private. Some of it's among veterans. You know, some of it's between a veteran and a disabled veteran or between a veteran and a disabled child but whatever it might be, that work is not something you necessarily say, look at what I did. It said, I'm glad I could help. That's what a soldier says, that's what, I, that's what, that's what a Marine says, that's what a sailor says, that's what a, that's what a veteran says, that's what I've come to understand. Look what I can, I can, I can help, I don't need the spotlight. And it's, a, and it's a good thing and it's a bad thing for our brand. If we're, if we're talking about branding, but if you're talking about real soulful identity, I don't think that's going to go away in the 21st century or in the second century of the American Legion. That's organic among people who serve, in my opinion. And I think how it evolves is up to this generation.
1: So we're running a little long, but I do want to throw a caveat in here. The man so eloquently espousing the responsible citizenry just happens to be the same guy who sent me to Cuba in the middle of the summer, Africa in the middle of the mosquito season and malaria, you sent me to the North Pole in February. You it was You sent me to wind. Afghanistan. You sent me to Afghanistan in the middle of the fighting season.
4: You did not get hit.
1: <laughs> you told me that the only way I would did, get a good evaluation it. is if I came back with a count. So, I, like, <laughs> I'm having a hard time reconciling this. <clears throat> you know, I love you. The American Legion, in addition to being on the forefront of many of the things you've talked about, has also... I, you know, we're coming out of uh, African American History Month, Black History Month. We're moving into Women's History Month. We've also been at the forefront of a lot of social revolutions. The American Legion allowed African Americans to vote uh, long before there was any you know issue with Jim Crow laws or anything else. Can you just briefly talk to some of those? How while we're viewed in a conservative manner, uh, we're conservative, but not in a political sense, but when you talk about us in a social sense, we're way ahead of the times, or we have been historically. Can you, can you talk to that briefly?
4: It was at a very early uh, principle that uh, I think that it was, I think, Theodore Roosevelt, Jr., and I say this, but I know that there were many more. Hamilton Fish, of course, Hamilton Fish had been the commanding, Colonel, is that right, of the yep. 369th Harlem Hellfighters in World War One, Hamilton Fish, Theodore Roosevelt Jr. These guys, and they were Democrats and Republicans. Uh, Henry Lindsley from Dallas was a Democrat. Uh, Eric Fisher-Wood was this architect from who had been in they, they They all were very adamant that a veteran is a veteran, male or female, regardless of, of, of skin color or ethnicity. And in fact, one of the things that I, I'm going to pull out for a historical piece was that they had they were so uh pleased and impressed and and lo- loved Native American soldiers in World War One who of course there were Native American code talkers in World War one and there were lots of scouts and they had they, the uh, Native American military veterans were uh, at that time if Native Americans were not Allowed U.S. citizenship. I think it wasn't until like 1925 that they got U.S. citizenship. The American Legion demanded that they get U.S. citizenship in 1919, based if they had served in the military. Again, it was uh, and and women were able to serve as a post command as post commanders, and there were women's posts. There were many women's posts in the state of New York. The Department of New York. For instance, in 1919, all women's posts. So there were women uh, post commanders in leadership roles. We had uh, uh, women uh, as serving as leadership out of California. There's a woman, and I'd love to get more on her. I'll f- try to find her name, but she was she was she spoke and she demanded went to the, went to the national convention in 1919 and demanded that the American Legion establish a formal program. To provide uh, training for disabled World War One veterans, so that they could go into vocational training, it was a vocational training program. She brought that vocational training program and was got given given the the podium to speak before our fr- very first you know VA and R team, if you will, about how we established that. And she was she was from San Francisco, um, and uh, nurses. Uh, uh, soldiers uh, wax you brought up uh, waves and wax earlier you know and one of my and, and, and I think that while um, there it, it probably it, it took a while for the American Legion to sort of establish re- redefine itself maybe up until 2017 when Denise Rowan from Wisconsin was elected national commander but I think that was an important um, shift in in, in and in a a, an important point in the history but I will also, when it comes to, you know, race, um, the American Legion had African-American, traditionally black posts. We, the, it wasn't all the national, national said, oh, everybody, you know, we're, we're, you have to open, everybody's, there were segregation rules, laws in states. It was segregated south. It was segregated a lot of places. There was not fairness in this way. But they were going to say, you can be a member of the American Legion. You just have to abide by your state, your state policies, whatever. And that's how we established what we call traditionally black posts. And those, some of those traditionally black posts in the South and stuff in, or, or wherever, they're all over the country. Some of them do some of the most important work that the American Legion is doing today. And I'll bring up one right now that's very relative, relevant to the COVID operations book. I have a whole chapter given to it. it is Post 65 in South Phoenix. Post 65 in South Phoenix has been unbelievable. And it's largely African-American, Hispanic community, but black uh, veterans, uh, male and female, a big, very strong American Legion family. They're making a point to their their whole business was we're going to we're going to make our zip code better. We're going to make. And that sounds to me like I'm a veteran. I'm going to make my, my, make my community stronger. And they became one of the very first posts to conduct and lead covid testing programs in their through their post. They were phenomenal in the delivery of food for uh, uh, folks who didn't have food or were, uh, you know, isolated in their community. They created that environment. They fed people. They they tested them for COVID. Think they were in line now to become a vaccination venue. That's one of the new things that's going on right now. Is some of these posts are morphing into vaccination clinics where they're where they're overrun. But the bottom line is, like I say, some of these posts that were – started up, and they became traditionally black, or, or traditionally Hispanic. There's one in in, in South Central um, on uh, Cesar Chavez. I don't know, Jeff, if you know that post, uh, but it's a, a traditionally Latin American Hispanic post, and it's a fantastic post. They do wonderful things. So I don't, I, you know, and, and while today they're, you know, mo- they're more diverse, they tend to support and provide a, a beacon of support in their communities. And I think that's an important value to the american legion and that that's something that's that was professed in 1919 when they met in st louis for the first caucus we had 25 black veterans who were part of the st louis caucus that wrote the preamble to the american legion uh constitution and that's i think important and relevant considering that time
2: yeah
1: Jeff, couldn't appreciate it more. Buddy, you know I love to see you. Uh, and uh, hopefully when all this is over, even though uh, the bulk of the establishments where we might have enjoyed adult beverages in the past have, have now closed permanently, I'm certain that you and I can find a place to uh, to catch up. And since I no longer work for you, you can't send me to the North Pole. So my wife will be happy with that and uh, give me give me less trouble on that issue anyway. But Jeff could not appreciate you being here any more than I really do. I, I think you're an incredibly eloquent spokesperson for the American Legion and what we do. And I think uh, Jeff Daly hit you with the hardest question that all of us get asked What does the American Legion do? How We've long you got? It. We've talked about it for an hour now. And we, you know, like I, I was ticking off the things in my head that I want to talk to you about. The, mm-hmm. the, there's some posts like China Post One and the Paris Post. That have not just seen history in the sense that they've had people passing China Post one got overrun in World War two literally overrun like the post commander I believe was killed in World War two trying to defend the post and get documents out there's a million things like this so for people out there that are in the Legion and they want to delve deeper please by all means contact us we'll get you that information but not not to uh, drag it out anymore because Super Producer Holly's already going to be mad at us. But, Jeff, thank you so much for being here. Ashley, Jeff, always great to see you. And everyone else who's listening, we appreciate you. Don't forget to uh, to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you get out there and give us a rating, preferably the five stars. Leave us a review. Contact us any chance you get at TangoAlphaLima at Legion.org. Everyone else, we will see you next week. Call Jeff. Bye.
3: <laughs>